0: Hi, this is Dee Dee Pfeiffer, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There podcast with these awesome guys.
1: In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Super excited for this upcoming interview. We are joined today by yet another legend of the business. She's been in horror cult classics such as Vamp and The Horror Show, known best for her role on Sybil, and can be found now on ABC's hit series Big Sky, Miss Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Oh, pleasure is all ours. Uh, we like to ask all of our guests. Uh, Miss Pfeiffer, you grew up in Midway City, California. You studied with some of the most renowned acting coaches in the business. Can you talk a little bit about what got you into acting? Your family was hardworking, blue-collar from what I understand. Was it Michelle who got the acting bug first? How did that come about?
0: Yeah, it was totally shell. She was a crazy one. Everyone thought she was nuts. and um, Yeah. Um, and I became second nuts in line because we came from Orange County, literally like under the freeway, not the expensive rich area of Orange County, but like more like the garbage Grove, Santa Ana area and blue collar worker family came from North Dakota and she, um, just decided, Oh no, she did a pageant, one Miss Orange County. And then she got into a commercial and from there she got an agent and she kind of slipped right into it. And by the time I was 18, she had done a few things and was doing Scarface. So at that point, I had worked since I was like two. Okay, okay, it's a little a little, a little exaggerating. But back then, child labor wasn't an issue. So I worked for the right. moment I could walk because my dad didn't have any money. And my mom never worked. So if I wanted something, I had to earn it. So by the time I was 18, I had every job possible known to mankind. So I was like, hey, my sister's acting. Let me try that thing. So I said, hey, Shell, I want to act. And she goes, oh, God, just stop right there. <laughs> it's not as easy as you think. Get into an acting workshop and see if you like it. Well, then then I went to this, the one of the best ones at the time, Peggy Fury, and I was awful. I was terrible. I was stuttering. I, I couldn't memorize my lines. I didn't know what characters. <laughs> I literally was like the worst. And I'm sure everyone else in the acting class was like, please don't, don't pair me with that girl. She's a mess, right? <laughs> no, so please, two please. years, I just stumbled and fell all over myself until I finally started to get a little handle of it. Clearly, I was a hard head because I should have given up way before then. But I was like, I'm not giving up until I figure this out. Well, I'm 58 and I still can't figure it out. Still trying to do it right. Oh, please.
2: <laughs> so, OK, so you landed your first role um, uh-huh. in John Landis's 1985's End of the Night. We had Jeff Goldblum, Stacey Pickering, and of course, your sister, Michelle. Can you talk a little bit about that experience?
0: It was awesome because you know what had happened was I had got another job before that. But then they took it away from me. Because Hollywood was a whole different um, playing field back then. You right. had to be in the union to get a union interview for a union gig. Oh, But you couldn't get the union interview unless you were union. So it was this catch-22. So we were always lying about our resumes, making right. it look like we were in the union and we weren't, right? So you were constantly trying to wiggle your way in there. So I got an interview and I got it. Right. And this was after two years of studying and, and stuttering and <laughs> just being a mess. I scored one. My agents called. And of course, I ran to my family. I got my very first acting job. And Shell and my brother and my other sister, and my mom and dad were so excited because no one was more surprised than us. Oh, you've got you got an acting gig. And then the, the, my agent called me back um, and said, oh, this was in 84 and said, oh, you're you're sad. Right. And I said, no, remember, I'm not. This has always been the problem. And they went, oh, let me call you back and then they called me back and said they gave it to the actor that they liked as well behind me because she was union in the union oh, no. she was working on into the night with john landis and said oh hell no went to work that night and told john landis the story and he said oh hell no tell her to show up on hollywood boulevard friday night with her most hooker trashy clothes we'll make her a <laughs> dollar hooker give her a couple oh. of lines get her in the union and tell her i'll cut it out but it'll help cut it out of the film but i'll you know, uh, get at least into the union to get her jump-started into this Catch-22. Well, I not only did the role, but he liked it so well, he kept it in the movie. Right. And I couldn't afford the SAG card, so he gave me extra ADR work to pay for the SAG card. So it was a really kind of like a messed-up thing that turned to be a beautiful thing, and that was my beginning, yeah.
2: Absolutely. That's awesome. What a, what a good dude. Yeah, um, John Landis,
0: he's cool, man. So, you know, I mean, where
2: I... uh <laughs> We're a horror podcast, you know, so, you know, we have to ask about Vamp. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that, yes, yes. Yes. So, uh, and I was talking about how the movies kind of, you definitely gained a cult following over the years. And, and like I said, I personally feel like Quentin Tarantino went with a lot of this kind of the same plot points when he mm-hmm. did From Dust Till Dawn, 10 years later, actually. So can you kind of tell us about your experience playing Amaretto?
0: Okay. Well, first of all, my very first starring role was Vamp. So Vamp was my baby up until I had two babies, which are two human men. (laughs) Like Vamp was my baby, you know, and Amaretto was like my. I don't know, just I still this day, I still love her. I love the idea of playing a woman or a girl who's so in love that there's buildings on fire, vampires running everywhere, and she's just like, you remember me? We played Spin the Bottle. I mean, how can you not love a character named Amaretta who has no, who's oblivious to anything around her other than love, right? Um, so I read for it. I got it. Uh, Richard Wank. The writer, director, producer said that he and Don Borchers were going back and forth on cast, and I was Richard's choice, but Don wanted somebody else. All I can say is thank God Richard got it because that gave me my first starring role. And to this day, um, I just love that film. And you know that the making of Vamp is the real movie because it was insane making that that movie. God. Yeah, that
2: that was one of that was one of the questions I had because you know from from stories and interviews I've seen it kind of it definitely sounds like it was a it was an interesting experience. I mean, do you have anything that you can share with us? I mean,
0: Grace with her vibrator and you know it, well, because she well, oh I haven't
2: I haven't heard the vibrator story. Oh,
0: well, oh yeah, I mean yeah, yeah she would always say where's my vibrator where's my vibrator like always so, like, that's really nice Grace we really need to stand your on your on your point, on your, line, your mark. And you' really get the sun and she was a lovely by the way. I love her um a lot scared. I thought she was super scary when I met her because of all these things I'd seen and heard, and when she went to shake my hand, she had the most soft, sweet handshake. I was like, "Ah, oh, there's just the little teddy bear in there." Um, <laughs> But she was always talking about her vibrator, very centric, very out of the box, which I actually really appreciate and love. I was too shy to do it out loud. So she kept yelling about her vibrator, and we were like, wow, okay. And again, this is the 80s. So one day she came on the set, damn it, when I wasn't working, and came running on and going, here's my vibrator. And it was this big black vibrator <laughs> with the cord. 80s with the cord hanging. I this is all here, oh. I don't know. Oh. And she runs into the sound cart dude. So she, the sound cart dude, and the vibrator hanging from the cord all went tumbling over, crashing onto the ground. Oh my um, gosh. And of course, which once again is like somebody get Grace off the sound cart. Get the vibrator out of her hand. Get her in there. need <laughs> this stuff was going on all the time. And yeah. That was just one of the many. You got to really check out the making of Vamp. The stories just go on and, on and
2: on and on. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. We can have a whole podcast just for that. So yeah,
0: we really did. Like people interview me on the making of Vamp more than actually anything else. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, talking about you know beautiful souls. I mean, it, it sounds like playing amaretto how much of that performance is dd Dee Dee pfeiffer you know and how much is is you playing a character because i mean you seem like a very positive uplifting you know just spirit from talking to you now and you know interviews that i've seen with you
0: um well thank you so much that's really sweet of you to say at that time i was really young um and i would say i was a lot like amaretto for sure really young and in hollywood and uh, my heart got beat up i'm like a lie, it got beat up pretty bad um but, you know, what doesn't wasn't kill you makes you tougher. So let's just say mom is a little tough chick over here now. Um, because I was, like my dad always said, a hard head. Um, so a lot of Dee Dee was in Amaretto. And after having gotten sober four years ago, I was able to um, bring back that part that I had lost, that my addiction just kneecapped, you know? Because addiction just takes out all the good in the person. I mean, it just kills it, right? So right. I now feel like that... That part of me that was like Amaretto is back at 58, which is like a rebirth, dude. I mean, come on, right? And that's pretty cool. Um, And I just feel like I want to spread that Amaretto love around um, because not everyone gets a second chance. Some people go to the light too soon, and I'm one of the lucky ones who didn't. So um, I'm here to spread a little Amaretto love for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, the last thing I'll ask you about Vamp is, I mean, obviously... Over the years, different movies become cult classics. When did you really realize that, hey, this Vamp movie is not going away and, and it's a cult classic and, you know, you started getting more and more questions about it? I mean, was there a time that kind of stood out more than others, you know, that you knew, hey, Vamp's a cult classic now?
0: Um that's a good question. Considering I'm so oblivious, I'm, this is where I'm very much like, know, like me, Didi Pfeiffer, I'm like, lo, lo, do, 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 do. you know, it's like, hey, did you know your sister's on this movie? I'm like, no, is she? I just talked to her last night. She didn't say that. I'm really like totally the last one to know anything on Big Sky, I'm the last one to know anything in my family, and the last one to know anything, just because I kind of live in my own little world of like paranormal stuff and. I don't know. I love Mother Earth stuff and animals and love and all that stuff. I don't sit around and watch movies. I don't watch other performances. I don't even watch my own performance. This podcast, I won't listen to this. I won't look at my other interview I did earlier today. Because I don't do this for me. I do it for other people, right? So I had no idea that Vamp took off. I mean, I really had no idea until... um, God, I had many... I think it was probably when I came back to the screen... Three, three years ago on Big Sky was when I was re- literally recently <laughs> that I went, oh, my God, Vamp is really like its own special thing out there with other special things. And I get to be a part of that. Um, so I'm going to have to say just recently, did I really understand the magnitude of how special Vamp is? I always knew it was, but I didn't realize other people saw what I saw. So, yeah, once again, I'm like the last one, <laughs> to, find, last one to get the memo. It's, it's just who I am. It's all good.
3: That's awesome. Uh, So shifting gears here to a little bit of a heavier subject, you kind of touched on it there when you were talking about uh, vamp and Amaretto uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. So you're very passionate and are about helping others struggling with recovery from any sort of addictions. And it's actually as we record this national recovery month this month. Can you talk to our audience some about that? I think everyone either knows someone or are themselves struggling with mental health and addiction. Uh, recovery in some shape or form.
0: Boy, um, Dustin, you're absolutely right um, to say that it's uh, only affects a few is wrong. It is we have an epidemic of, of uh, addiction and people's addictions that affect other people around them. It's not like an eye disease. It's a we. It does affect the entire family. Anyone who knows and loves you is affected by your. Di- You're being in your disease one of the things i want to say is that addiction is not a choice and i do believe people forget that and that's why i'm so out loud about it i'm recovering out loud you know because it's so important that we get rid of the social stigma and i think the social stigma comes from the fact that we think it's actually a choice it's not a choice man no one wakes up and goes hey i think i'll be an addict that sounds like a lot of fun hell no nobody wakes up wanting this i certainly didn't right Any more than someone wakes up and says, hey, I think I want cancer. That sounds like a good idea. They're diseases that need treatment and compassion. But the problem is when you have cancer, you generally don't act bad. You don't make an ass of yourself. You don't go out there and hurt people. No person active in their disease means to do that. They're just trying to figure out a way to probably deal with, number one, an undiagnosed, untreated addiction, not to mention trauma. They are two different things and have to be treated as such. Right, and so when we view it that way, we can maybe have a little more compassion for the person who's um, struggling. And I just want to say, man, I went to recovery in my fifties, going through menopause, not sexy, okay? But let me tell you, (laughs) with a bunch of meth heads, heroin heads, and people with addictions from food, gambling, heroin, alcohol—you name it—I was in there with them. Thirty days intensive, no, no kids, no phones, no computer. I was literally with what I discovered were my peeps. I'd always felt like an outcast until I was in recovery. I met my peeps. I knew them without ever having met them, and they knew me. So if you're struggling out there, there's help when you're ready. But only when you're ready, by the way. So those who are waiting for that person to be ready, just tell them you love them. You can see that their energy is shifting, that they're struggling, and whenever they are ready, you're there to help them find help. Right?
2: Absolutely. Beautiful. Absolutely. Very well put.
3: Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Um, So a follow up on that. I mean, so you took time off from acting um, and I'm going to ask you about that in a moment, but I feel like this is a good time to talk about you getting back in acting. Were there any thoughts about it possibly being difficult to go back into the industry with all those temptations?
0: Oh, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I left uh, 10 years before to get my degrees and drinking the whole way through college. Never during class. I never drank while pregnant. While in front of the screen, nor at school, but that did not mean I was not an alcoholic. Oh my God, a high functioning alcoholic. We're very clever, by the way. And you know, you know, you met those high functioning alcoholics. So was it difficult? Yeah, because I um, got sober. I only had a year under my belt when I came back to the screen, and I had finished my last year at UCLA, my master's program, of social work, while finish, while starting Big Sky during a pandemic, and I still didn't drink, woo, and or smoke. Cigarettes and oh, um, you'll be surprised how strong you are when you actually just put one foot in front of the other and have you know faith in yourself and faith in, in, in the process. And by the way, when they say trust the process, I used to be like, Oh, F the process, with <laughs> trusting the process if you can't see the process, you can't feel it, you can't touch right. it, right. you're asked yep. to trust. Right. And faith works best in the dark. And that's really rough for me. I want to touch it, man. <laughs> right. So I had to trust others who had more recovery ahead of me, who said to me, Take a big breath. You got this just one day at a time. I'm like, Hell, it's one minute at a time most days. They're like, OK, then do it one minute at a time. Just do it. Right. right. Um, so God, there were so many reasons to pick up a drink and, or a cigarette if you really want to go there. But I, ch- I kept asking myself, Do you want to go back to being the identified mm-hmm. problem? Like you were when you were in your disease, or would you do you want to remain the identified possibility every day? I don't use. Now let me tell you, right. that helps your decision right there. That helps a lot. I like being the identified possibility versus the identified problem. It doesn't mean it's easy. But guess what? Life isn't easy. It's not easy for normies who don't drink or have an addiction. So of course it's going to be. We're going to have rough days. That's called life, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's a that's a great outlook to have there. Um, so. You kind of touched on it, uh, taking 10 years off from acting to earn your master's in social work from UCLA. Congratulations on that. By the way, that's, that's awesome. Just going back to get your degree is huge, but you went all in got your master's too. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision to just stop cold Turkey from acting and go back to school?
0: Well, I always called it a pregnant pause. <laughs> like I'm not gonna walk away completely, but I had to envelop myself in raising two boys on my own and go to school was no easy thing. I had learning disabilities because remember I graduated in eighty-two boys. You guys were probably not even born. Eighty two, there was no cell phones, no computers, there was no there was nothing. Look at me, there was no this is nice grammar game. I <laughs> <You> never know she <laughs> said graduate way talk. talk. Um, okay, listen, my degree was not in grammar or English. Okay, so No judging me. Um, so I can diagnose you, but I can't talk. Um, but, the thing is, but the thing is, is that, you know, when I went to college, I literally was like, I just want to, I, I took a break because I thought at the time the industry had changed so rapidly. I didn't like the changes and how women were treated. And I was raising two boys and I just was confused. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I realized I was more loyal to an industry that was not loyal back as a woman artist. So I thought, eh, I'm gonna go help people. I had no idea what that looked like. I would like I said, I graduated in 82, barely. So I walk up to Pierce College and go, hey, I want a degree, and they're like, okay, what do you want? i like, I don't know, you tell me. They're like, man, that's not the way it works. You <laughs> tell us what degree you want. I said, I just want to help people. And they said, how about a psych degree? I said, hey, how about that, let's start there. So that's how it started, and then we discovered immediately I had learning disabilities, which in school I was taught taught and told I was dumb and stupid. And it was pretty painful if you think about it. And in college, they went, no, 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 no. actually you're really bright. I think you can learn disabilities. Once they were discovered and um, accommodated, I started getting A's left and right and studying was so much more easy. Although I couldn't do it full time all the time because I, was, I had my boys, Taekwondo, mm-hmm. going to school, you know, getting getting them up right. and running. So I fit my degree in with being a single mom. So I didn't mean to take 10 years I just—it took me ten years, and it took a year off to get sober, because I wasn't going to make it if I didn't. There was just no way.
3: Yeah. That's incredible determination. Uh, congrats Amazing again score. on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So shifting gears again, back to your acting career. Big Sky. I mean, that's a big hit. Can you talk to us about that big return to acting and how that came about, and what it takes to really become Denise?
0: Oh, wow, that's a great question. Um, Big Sky, new night, Wednesday. Look at me, i shamelessly pitching. New <laughs> night, Wednesday night, ABC, 10 p.m. Pacific time. See that? That will keep my butt employed, boys. Okay, now that I did that, now that I, oh, Hulu. Hulu, did I say Hulu? Catch us on Hulu, first two seasons. We just premiered last week, plenty of time to catch up. Um, new season, super exciting. Reba McIntyre, Jensen, oh my God, what do you see? Denise, shamelessly flirt with Jensen, because he's just so cute. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, here's
0: something that's super fun. Jensen and I worked together two other times. Oh. People don't know this. Yeah, Jensen, when he was a baby, an embryo, was on Sybil with me. We had a scene together. Which is really funny. He blows my he blows off my character, and then I was on Supernatural, and he blows my head off. So now he's on Big Spy. So who knows what Denise is going to do to him? I got to get a hold of writers, right, and say, "Hey, Revenge Man." Okay, that's Maybe it. got to get Jensen now. Uh, all joking aside, it's a great season. Um, I, well, like I said, was it was uh, I was finishing my last year of UCLA, doing my internship at the Department of Mental Health. Had not a clue of how I was going to survive as a social worker on their peanut salary, because I hadn't thought that (laughs) far in advance, everything I had, I had to sell to pay back all my loans. And there I was again with these two boys and all these rescued animals. And I thought, oh, wow, how am I going to do this? And I also wanted one day to bridge my old fan base and all the knowledge I had as an actor and producer in with my degree and my learned experience and somehow mesh it all together and help people on a larger scale. And then out of nowhere, David Kelly, my brother-in-law, text me and I didn't even know he had my number and said, hey, are you still happy I have this role named Denise and Big Sky, it's perfect for you. I'm like, what? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And that's how it started. He had no idea, I say this all the time, but it's worth repeating. He threw me a lifeline, he had no idea. And Big Sky is now gonna give me the opportunity, for instance, to do this awesome podcast with you guys and talk about all this fun stuff and hijack the interview and talk about addiction and mental health and other things that are also as relevant, right? absolutely Absolutely. yeah that's kind of how that happened well you can
2: hijack our podcast anytime
0: oh guys guys when we get into the season you're gonna want me back there's some major stuff happening this season it's so fun (laughs) yeah because i'm like six eight scripts in (laughs) you guys are gonna go for a bumpy ride when you watch our show this year
3: (laughs) oh
1: absolutely we'd love to have you back um but the addiction stuff was great you know you didn't hijack the show at all that was very powerful stuff and you know, someone who listens may need to hear that. So you may impact someone. That's, that's awesome to think about. Uh, Didi, is there anything else you'd like to plug or discuss? Big Sky is on ABC. Uh, it might date our show a little bit, but I believe the next episode airs tomorrow. Uh, what else is going on in your world? You want to shout out social media or anything else you got going on?
0: I do. I actually do a lot of fun stuff in social media. Didi Pfeiffer Official on Instagram. And I have a lot of fun on my Instagram. I do Didi Random thoughts. They are literally random so they're just like and they're often very positive thoughtful funny um i do these things called what's in denise's desk or what the hell does Denise do all day when the girls are out solving crimes and i have all these celebrities answering the questions and it's so funny because they're everyone pretty much goes to the gutter you know oh she's pole dancing oh she's you know got lingerie under sexy panties in her drawer i mean everyone Seriously, has a really good time answering these silly questions. It's just a way to have fun with the character in the show. Um, and anything else I want to plug, I think that um, any way, any, any way, anyone can find ways to be part of the solution, not the problem, by finding love, compassion, and support for each other is always the right thing to do. Because the world's kind of a noisy place right now, and I think we need each other. We really do. And I can't thank you enough for giving me this beautiful. Platform to kind of spread a little sunshine with y'all today.
2: Absolutely, thank you.
0: Oh, and Big Sky Wednesday nights, 10 10 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> <ABC MP.
2: laughs> and Hulu, and Hulu.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. You. On <laughs> thank
1: you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time.
0: Oh, thank you too, guys.
1: Definitely get you back on too.
0: Yeah, which you see, Denise and Jensen. Who knows what they're going to do with these two characters? He and I are both smart asses. so they're capturing a lot of that on screen. Because, <laughs> like I said, we're together, so we're having a really good time. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I really, re- I honestly am not lying. I don't have any clue. I only know when I get the script. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys have a beautiful day.
3: You do the same. You too. Thank, Thank you. you, yes,
1: ma'am. Thank you. Just want to remind everybody. <gasps>